Friends, we are finishing up our sermon series on the wisdom and poetry of the Bible with these words from the Song of Solomon, the second chapter, verses 10 through 13, and the eighth chapter, verses 6 through 7. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. For now the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Rise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, passion fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, a raging flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If one offered for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly scorned. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we did not gather this day to hear a human word. No, we gathered this day to hear you speak into our lives. And so it is my prayer that you would take this sermon and make it ever and only of you, and that you would also help us to hear you in the deepest parts of our soul. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I plan sermon series about a year out at a time, and so I've known that I was going to be preaching on this for some time. However, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, I was with a preaching group that I helped lead, and we had the former president of Princeton Seminary, Craig Barnes, come and speak to us. And he is one of, you know, the most uh, wonderful preachers you'll ever meet. And at some point while we were together, someone says, what's your favorite text to preach from in the Bible? And he said, well, I've got a lot of those, but I can tell you what I'll never preach from, and that's the Song of Solomon. (laughs) And I thought, oh, no. And my next thought was, the office staff will kill me if I try to change it now. He says that because the Song of Solomon is a love poem. It's a pretty racy love poem at different parts, but it is strictly a poem about two people who are experiencing romantic love. It is about passion and eros, and that's what this poem is about. And people have struggled with what to do about the Song of Solomon for generations, even in the forming of the Jewish canon. There are some rabbis who ask, why are we putting this in here? It doesn't even mention God. But the early rabbis before the time of Christ decided two things. One is that this kind of passionate love that is talked about in the Song of Solomon is the same kind of passionate love that God has for God's people. And they also decided that there needed to be something in the canon that talked about the romantic love relationships that we find ourselves in. It's easy to think that God cares about the big things, 
It's easy to think that God cares about how we care for the poor, how God cares how we feed people. But make no mistake, the Song of Solomon reminds us that God cares deeply about the relationships we have with our beloved, that God wants to have a part in even that. So it was included in the Jewish canon. During the time of Christ, through the first several hundred centuries after the death of Christ, it was interpreted in much the same way. In the Bible, over and over again, we hear Christ referred to as the bride and the church is the bridegroom. And so people would say that the passion, particularly that part about love being as fierce as death, that that really spoke to the love that Christ had for the church. All of those things are true. But I want to look at this today as the way it reclaims the Eden ideal for us. Do you remember the story of Eden from way back in Genesis? If not, newsflash, we're going to read it next week. But I'll go ahead and give you a preview. In the Genesis story, particularly in the second creation story, we hear that God made man and woman and set them in the Garden of Eden and things were perfect. The love that man and woman had for one another was perfect. There was no shame. The relationship between God and people was perfect. And yet into that perfect Eden came sin. And because of sin, in Genesis 3, 6, we're told that two things happen. This is the story that is in Genesis one is that woman is told she will be a servant to man all the days of her life. And the second is that man is told that they will have to toil and work hard to get anything to come forth from the ground. That this will be life for humanity because they could not stay true to God. That there will be work and toil and that women will have this role where they will be a servant to man. Now, this passage harkens back to the Garden of Eden. And this passage reminds us of what the garden might look like once it is restored. The idea in this passage from the Song of Solomon is that no longer are people struggling to make things come forth from the ground, but suddenly they find themselves in a garden where there are fig trees and there are leaves and it is green and there is no toil. It is just a beautiful garden again. It's like we were restored to the Garden of Eden. In the same way, woman is no longer subservient. She, here in this passage, she calls out to her beloved. There is again this relationship of mutuality and fidelity and perfect love. And the people also have perfect love with God. And so the Song of Solomon is included because it reminds us of something very important. And that is that God calls us to love perfectly. And there will come a day when the kingdom is restored, when we will love, love one another the way that we should, and that we will love God the way that we should. But I don't know about you, but I know that my love is not perfect today. 
that I haven't always practiced self-giving love. That's what our first lesson was about when Jesus says you have to deny yourself. It's the kind of love that Christ had for the church. It is a love that says, I will love you so completely I'll even give up my life. That's the kind of love we're called to have for those covenant relationships we have with one another. We are to love so much that we give and give. And the other person, they love us so much that they give and give too. And there is this beautiful relationship created. But we're not in the kingdom yet, are we? We're not. We are in a time when faithfulness and fidelity often break down in our closest relationships. When our selfishness often colors our ability to love others. That is what sin still working in the world has done to our relationships. But we have the Song of Solomon here to remind us that this is what God wants for God's people. And your job and my job is to try our very best to love that way while we can, while we are in this already but not yet place. The kingdom isn't here, but we are called to love, to love equally, to love selflessly, and to love with passion, Passion cools in our world, does it not? The love we may have felt at one time, it grows weaker at different times. But we are reminded that in God's perfect kingdom, we will have passion and love for our beloved at all times. And so we are called as much as we can to practice that passion and that love that we have now. Just like Christ did for the church, we are to do for one another. And the Song of Solomon gives us hope that one day we will be restored to love relationships as they are supposed to be. Now, if you were hoping I was going to say that God has God's will for you in every area except for what happens in your intimate relationships, I can tell you you're absolutely wrong. I actually think I can make the argument that God has God's will for you in your intimate relationships more than in any other place. Because our relationships, when we enter into covenants of marriage in particular, our relationships are supposed to look like Christ and the church. They're supposed to look like sacrifice and love over and over again. And so now... We have to practice until Christ comes again and can show us the true way of enacting this. And I am grateful every day that there is grace, yes? That there is grace upon grace because we will fail over and over again. But let this day be a reminder of what those covenant relationships should be. And may you grow as close to them as you can before the kingdom comes. May your love be filled with passion. May it be stronger than death, for that is how Christ has loved us all. Thanks be to God, and amen.